favor. Lord, I lift your name on high. Good morning. Jesus is truly the center of my joy. Thank you. Thank you for that song. I'm thankful for just another opportunity to preach the gospel, um, giving all honor to God, uh, Pastor Nate in his absence, to the deacons and, and the members of Force, to her many friends, to some of my friends who've shown up from uh, UPS and, and from Virginia Street Baptist. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Truly, there is a word from the Lord today. And uh, if you would, turn with me. The scripture, the sermon will be coming from 1 Kings. 1 Kings, the third chapter. Starting at the third verse through the 14th verses. First Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. And if you would, stand with me for the reading of God's word. First Kings 3, 3 through 14, and it reads, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great place, the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, what, I, what shall I ask, what I shall give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart towards you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. And now, O oh Lord, my God, you have made your servant king. In place of David, my father, although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this, and God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has ever been before, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, 
so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Would you please be seated and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come before you today, Lord God, just humbly acknowledging who you are, Lord God. You are King of kings, and you are Lord of lords, Lord God. You are the Alpha, and you are Omega, Lord God. You are the, the giver of life, Lord God, the source of our peace and our joy, Lord. Right now, Lord God, we just ask that uh, in this preaching moment that you open up your your wisdom to us, Lord God. You open up your word, Lord God. Show us your gospel, your instruction, Lord God, and give us the strength to follow, Lord. I ask that the words of my mouth, Lord God, the meditations of my mind, Lord God, be acceptable to you. For you are my Lord and you're my Redeemer, Lord God. Let the words of my mouth not reach death ears, Lord God, but allow the the people who are hearing this word today, Lord God, to be edified by your word, by your statue, by your wisdom, Lord God. We ask that, uh, that you just be with us. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen. Amen. As we look at this, as we look at this scripture, I just think about uh, all the things that I would have asked if God would have come to me and said, what, what shall I give you? I think about all the, the, the needs in my life at, right now at this time, and I think about my responsibilities, and I think about um, just what I would ask. Would I ask for more wishes? I think that's, that would be the, the tendency for a lot of us is to, to want more. It's not just one thing that we need in our life. At this time, it's not just one thing that, um, that, that comes to mind. But, but Solomon, we see today that he acts in wisdom. He makes a very wise request of the Lord. He asks the Lord to give him what he know he did not have. Um, and as, just as we look at this word wisdom, he didn't ask for, for worldly wisdom. He didn't ask for... Um, for wisdom so that he can gain himself, but he asked for wisdom so that he could lead the people of God. He had been, a, he had been elevated to this position of power. He, has, he was a young king taking the place of his father. And really, if we look at 1 Kings, he was, he was inheriting a mess. King David had been fighting for his own kingship because some of his sons were trying to take the kingship from him. So. And in his old age, he wasn't able to fight like he used to. So as we see in uh, 1 Kings, if you read the earlier passages, it says that um, in verse 1, it says the city of David until he had finished the building of his own house. Uh, the people were sacrificing at the high place. We see in the first verse that not only was... There was no palace for the king to live in because it had been destroyed. But there was no wall around Jerusalem because it too had been destroyed. And there was no temple to worship in. So he's inheriting this, this great thing. 
as a young boy, he was about 20 years old when he inherited the, the kingship. And at the first opportunity, God comes to him and he, and he asks this great request. So it's no wonder that he says, Lord, help me. Give me your mind to, to rule and reign over your people. Um, we see that this whole thing is set up in verse 3, if you would look with me. In Sol- it says, Solomon loved the Lord. So we see that godly wisdom has some prerequisites to it. In verse 3, it says, Solomon loved the war- Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings in the high place. There is, there is no way around loving the Lord as far as trying to gain wisdom and favor within the Lord. In Deuteronomy 6, we see that, that the Shema, and if you would, just turn with me to Deuteronomy 6 and, and put a placeholder right there because we'll be coming back to it a couple times. Deuteronomy 6, 4 is one of the greatest commands in the, in the Bible. It is what the Jewish um, elder, elders were supposed to teach their children. The Jewish parents were supposed to pass this on to their children. Matter of fact, they were supposed to read it to them daily. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and of your gates. And we see that, that this was obviously done for Solomon. Not only was he just um, following the statutes of David, but, but we see that it had rubbed off. The Bible says that he loved the Lord and that he walked in his statutes. And we see in 1 Kings 2, 1 through 4, it says, When David's time to die had drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying this, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commands, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me. And we see that this is, this is a fulfillment of that, of that very verse. Because the Lord comes to David in the Davidic covenant and he says that if your sons walk in your statutes, if, if they keep my words and my command and walk in your statutes, that you will have an heir on your throne forever. And we see by Solomon taking the kingship that he was living the right way. He wasn't just... Uh, living the right way, but he was living the right way because he loved God. We can try our hardest to, to walk in the way that we, um, that we think is right. We can try our hardest to even follow the word of God, but if we don't have the love of God 
in our hearts, in our souls, it's going to be futile. It's going to be a frustrating walk that we try to, it's going to be a failure after failure after failure if we continue without the love of God. So I, I just see that this, this word, it isn't for everyone. Uh, despite the need of, for wisdom for everybody in this world, this word right here is only for those who love, the, who love God. Wisdom has a prerequisite of loving God. And as I was, as I was studying what wisdom is, I, was, I used the Bible to define it. And the Bible is not slack in its talk of wisdom. In Job 28, 28, it says, And to the man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Psalms 111.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 1.7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So we see, we see that the Bible isn't slack in, in that it talks about wisdom often. And it commands us. It commands us to have this wisdom. And, and as I was studying wisdom, it, a couple things... Uh, I noticed that, that wisdom begins with this thing that they call the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord, it, it can mean a, a lot of different things from people. And what I've always been taught and what I've always grown up knowing was, oh, it's not that kind of fear, right? It's not, oh, you're not, you shouldn't be afraid of God. You should just reverence God, right? But every instance that I, that I looked up, that it was talking about fear of, the God, of God, the fear of the Lord, it was talking about terror. It was talking about uh, being horrified, being shaking and trembling. It, uh, it, it painted all these things, and it was directly contrary to what I had been taught that fear of the Lord is. There is a love side to that. Because once you have the fear of the Lord, the, the Bible says that the fear... Um, that perfect love drives out fear. So once you have a proper understanding of the fear of the Lord, and once you have the fear of the Lord in your life, it drives out the fear of the unknown. It drives out this fear of, of we don't know what's around the corner. We, the, the many trials and the, the, the many uh, things and trials and tribulations that life brings, we don't have to be afraid of that. Those who fear the Lord do not have to be afraid of the terror by night or the, the fiery darts by day. We don't have to fear any of that. So I have a running definition of what the fear of the Lord is, and it's uh, the composite of two things. The first thing is that the fear of the Lord is, is composed of that the Lord has spoken and revealed his will. So because he had spoken and revealed his will, and, and the second thing is that the revelation of him revealing his will is met with awe and submission. So the first thing is that the Lord has spoken and revealed his will. The second thing is that 
that revelation is met with awe and submission. This is the beginning of wisdom. See, I was, I was looking at it, and it was like, okay, all I have to do is, is obey his commands. All I have to do is, if, you know, in this kind of legalistic and fearful way of obeying his commands, and he will give me wisdom, right? But no, it is wise. It's, it's the only, it doesn't even make sense otherwise to know the commands of God and not do it. To know the commands of God and not do it is to act like there is no God which is, in turn, the definition of being a fool. So he, he calls us today to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. And he said, to do his commands, that's just understanding. Once you do his commands, that's just you understanding that his ways are, are better than our ways. His commands are better and higher and, 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 and fruitful. Um, the Bible tells us that there's a way that seems right to men, but in the end, it only leads to death. So Solomon loved God. That was the prerequisite. Now we see in, in the word that Solomon acknowledged God. He acknowledged the Lord in, in everything that he did. Now in, in the command, and I, I hope y'all put a, put a pinpoint in, in Deuteronomy 6, because we'll, we'll be going back there right quick. In the command of the Shema to teach your children diligently to love God and to, and to keep him number one and to have no other idols and to walk in his statutes, they, they say something uh, a little bit that's difficult to understand. They say keep his testimonies. And to keep his testimonies, if you would, we'll just look at it real quick. It's in Deuteronomy 6, starting at the 20th verse. Matter of fact, we'll start at the 18th. And it says, the 18th says, And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to your fathers, by thrusting out all the enemies before you as the Lord had promised. When your sons ask you in, in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies? And the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you. Then shall you say to your sons, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there and he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always. So it says it right there that these testimonies, your, your sons, your daughters, they won't remember the goodness of God. So it says keep, your tes- keep the testimonies. So when God, comes to, when God comes to Solomon in these verses, and it says... Uh, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. Solomon, Solomon, when he first acknowledges, he knows how to come to God. When he first acknowledges God, according to the law, according to the Shema, he was supposed to go straight back to Deuteronomy 6 and 20. He was supposed to say, Lord, the, 
the God who brought us out of Egypt. He was supposed to go back to this 470-year-old testimony that has been stored and, and practiced and rehearsed day after day, but he doesn't. He goes straight back to his father. He says, he says this, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father. So he's fast forward, and he doesn't have to go 470 years back to a testimony. And, and that should be a word for us today. God is good, and he's working today in our lives. We shouldn't have stale testimonies about how God is moving and working and making a way for us in our life today. And he goes back to it. He, he says, look what you've done for my father David. You brought him out to trial and tribulation, and you kept his life. And matter of fact, you blessed him so much so, you didn't have to bless him like this, but you preserved his life so much so that you allowed him to see a promise that you promised to him. If your sons that you train up walk in my ways, they'll sit on my throne. So God, you even allowed my, my father to see me on the throne, sitting as the king of Israel. Thank you, God. This is what he's saying in this moment. And not only that, Lord, but I'm not even worthy to sit on this throne. Lord God, you have shown such steadfast love that I get to see what you promised Abraham. This is, you've made me king of a people that Abraham didn't even get the pleasure or the privilege to see. He was still, he was still wondering if this thing was to come to pass, but Lord, you get to sh you've shown me, not only have you shown me the land that Moses couldn't inherit, that Moses couldn't go into, but you've made me king and ruler over this great land, over this great people. So he, he's blown away by, by God, even what he's done so far. But then God has asked him, not just, he's, God has come to him and requested this great thing. He's like, what shall I give you? Lord, what haven't you gave me? Already, what haven't you done for me already? You've made such a way for me, and you've blessed me so much over and over and over again, and then you ask me for more. Our God is abundant in his blessings. And then, especially when we're lined up with his will, he didn't come to just anybody. He came to somebody who was loving on him, first of all. By his walk, by honoring his father, by walking in his statutes, by keeping his words, by obeying his commands. This isn't a legalistic thing, but we got to obey, y'all. There's no other way around this. Like, nobody wants to talk about this. Everybody just wants to talk about the, the loving God, right? Everybody wants to talk about the God who, who loves on us and he, and, he, and he does so much for us, and he does. But our God, he said, if you love me, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. But we, this is how we treat God. We treat God like we treat sometimes our parents, right? We, we treat them like this. Oh, I would ask for permission, but you know what? I'm just going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to do what I want to do, and then I'm going to come back on the backside, and I'm going to ask for forgiveness, right? And he's a loving guy. He'll forgive. No, he says, my ways are above your ways. Like, and, and it's a fool who despises. Like, what does it look like to lack wisdom? James, James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, what should we do? We should ask. And he gives what? He gives generously, right? 
But we don't want his statutes. We want his wisdom. We want his benefits. We want to walk in with it. We want the honor that, that Solomon clearly had. Everybody, if you, if you can't tell me one thing about Solomon, you know he was wise. Period. Like, you know Solomon was a wise king. That's the only thing he's known for. And that's the only thing God has given, that God gave him. But we have to walk in his statue. We can't neglect that part. Just because we don't like it. We don't like that, I, that he tells us no sex before marriage. He doesn't like that, he's, that he or, we don't like that he ordains how marriage is to be, uh, to be done with one man and one woman. We don't, we don't like that we're supposed to love our enemies, too. We're, we're supposed to love the people who are, dis, like, misusing us. We're supposed to show that person love if for no other reason, God says, because he's made in my image. We, we, don't like, we don't like what Pastor's preaching through right now in Matthew where it says, um, where, where it teaches us how to live by these kingdom rules, right? Where it says, we don't like blessed as those who mourn. We don't, we don't want to be blessed in that way, Lord, you know? We don't want to walk in those statutes all the time. And that's to our downfall. Because we can't just reject his statutes. They said the, the, the person who rejects his statutes in, in Proverbs, you got the wise person and then you got this person that's called a mocker, right? So somebody who's constantly despising the statutes of God and the commands of God, he gets labeled in this category called mocker. And I'm like, what's a mocker? And then so I'm, I'm looking it up and mocker Right, it's someone who, who totally rejects it. Like, they don't want to go the way of the wise. They don't want to heed to the instruction of the Father. They don't want to live by the, the person's commands. And I'm like, Lord, what does it look like to lack wisdom and to reject wisdom and become a mocker? Well, well the Bible tells me that God disciplines those who he loves. He instructs, he speaks to, he, he guides those who he loves. And, and to reject, reject the statutes is to reject the love of God completely. And a lot of, and a lot of people right now are, are not walking in the love of God because we've just simply rejected his statutes, rejected his standard, forgot that he's a holy God who calls us also to be holy. Amen. So... He has a personal testimony. And then it leads, to, it leads to him saying something which seems to be untrue. He, he's, a, he's a 20-year-old man. He's in his 20s. But he calls himself a child. In verse 7, it says, And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. And then he said, uh, I don't know how to go out or to come in. And this, uh, this reference, reference right back to Deuteronomy. So if you do have it pinned by now, you should, you should have it pinned by now. <laughs> Deuteronomy 31. Uh, it shows Moses. In his old age, it says, so Moses continued to speak 
these words to all of Israel, and he said to them, I am 121 years old today. I am no longer able to go out and come in. The Lord has said to me, you shall not go over this Jordan. The Lord, your God himself, will go over before you. So he's not just comparing. He's not just saying, Lord, I'm not qualified. But his humility leads him back to to Moses in in going over into the promised land. He, he compares his, the amount that he's unqualified to the amount that Moses was not qualified to lead the people into the promised land. So this is saying, I, am, I will never be, because God forbid Moses from even going that far. He couldn't go that far with the people. And this is the humility of Solomon in this moment. Um, it also refers to uh, Numbers 27:17, where it says, teach Joshua how to go out and to come in before the people. So there's a, it's only mentioned three times, but he says, I don't, I'm a little child. I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. And then he says, who, who can? Who can go out and come in before your people? Who is even able to do this? Lord God, only you can. So my request to you, therefore, is to give me an understanding mind. Give me a discerning mind that's, that has your statutes in it, that are, that are premeditated with your rules and your command, and it's, and it's just lavished with your definition of good and bad. Make me a leader who can discern good for bad so that I can lead your people. This is the most humble request in the world, and it, and it has a lot of implications from just this, um, this verse. He could have taken the opportunity to define good and evil for himself, and he could have taken, because he had the authority as king over Israel, he could have ran Israel however he wanted and however he saw fit to run it, right? But this has Genesis 3 implications in it, where... Eve took of the fruit and she, because she wanted to define good and evil for herself. So through this, he's redefining the curse. He's reversing the curse, even in this thing right here. I have the authority to run Israel to whatever way because you've made me king, Lord God. But I turn that decision back over to you. I can't define good and evil, Lord God. I, I have a way that might seem right, Lord God, but I'm not qualified. He... I'm not qualified. And the the wisest decision that Solomon ever made was before he even got the gift of wisdom from God. The wisest decision that Solomon ever made was to turn every decision-making process back over to God and say, Lord, you define it. Lord, you've already spoken on this matter. In awe and in submission, I submit to you. You are the only one who who can lead your people. You are the God, like, and, and that just, that blows this whole thing away because kingship was set up on Israel's rejecting of God's leadership. They wanted a king because they didn't want to follow the voice. The voice of God had got so, so taxing on them. Lord, I don't, we don't want to do the right thing. Put a man up there so that we could be like everybody else. But then Solomon honors God. Because he turns the, and he gives the keys right back over to God to make all the decisions. Do we see how he could have used this 
to serve himself. He could have used this to glorify and to build up his own self. And that's kind of how we do today. We, we serve God, but we do it for the glory. And we don't always do it for the glory of God. We, we spit scripture sometimes to our coworkers, but we don't do it on this, you know, horizontal, lift up Jesus, draw all men to Christ type of way. We do it on this horizontal, I'm better than that person, at least I'm not that sinner or living in that way type of way. And, and the word of God is saying that we can't do that. We don't have the authority, and, and it's not our honor. It's not our glory. He could have asked for anything, but then God praises him. He says, because you didn't ask, because you didn't ask for the life of your enemy, because you didn't ask for long life, because you, talk, you took no thought for your life, and you had regard for my people, you had regard for, for the ones that you were to lead, and you saw me, you saw yourself, and you saw how you didn't la- end up, I'm going to give you what you asked. I'm going to do everything that you said, and then I'm going to give you more. And that's how he does when we, with an upright heart. It says he walked in the statutes of his father, right? And his father walked in faithfulness, uprightness of heart, and he honored God in his ways. That's what he was doing. He wasn't, he wasn't serving God with an alternative motive, alternative motive. Like we, he, the only reason why he asked this was so that he can lead in a better way. It said that David walked in faithfulness, righteousness, and uprightness of heart toward him. That's purity. That's purity in heart, in your intentions. Why are we doing what, we are, what we're doing? Why are we sitting up here preaching? Is it to impress man or is it to honor God? Why do we sing the songs that we sing? And I, and I love your humility, ma'am. You did an awesome job. Why do we sing what we sing? It's to give honor and glory to God. Why are we doing what we do? In, in the church, why is the church here? Is it, to, is it to glorify ourselves? Because my Bible says that when we glorify God, when we lift him up, when we exalt him, we draw people. We draw people to Christ. We draw them in. <clears throat> so God asked Solomon for whatever he wished And he ends up giving God what he has. And then God ends up giving him more. That's wisdom. That is the the wisest thing that we can do because as I look back over my life, there are so many times in my life that I had people, and I thank God for those people who have poured into my life, who has told me, hey, young brother, you might not want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, you, you, might, you might just need to, like, do it this way. And I've always had that. I, I've served the Army for eight years, and I, I went all over the world, and it was the scariest thing in the world because you don't know people's intentions towards you, right? So, so you're a young child. You, uh, you're in charge of yourself now, you know? <laughs> and um, God always put godly people in my path. And I seldomly, I don't thank the Lord, I seldomly <laughs> listened to him. I bumped my head so many times. Over the years, I bumped my head so many times that I wish I could take it back. And, and as I get older, I'd be like, man, if I had went left instead of right here. Or if I would have just did what my mom and daddy said here. Or, or Lord, please, like, and you get to the point where you get enough bumps and you get enough bruises that you're like, okay, I can't afford to do it 
that way no more. I can't afford to just run in here headstrong without thinking about the consequences, without thinking about this or that. And this is, this is, wisdom. This is the spirit of wisdom, is listening to those who are invested in you and invested in your well-being. Not just taking worldly advice, but taking godly advice. First, uh, Psalms 1, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> and now I, have a, now I have a new prayer. Lord, don't, allow, don't, don't let me bump my head like that no more. Lord God, if I can, if you would allow it, open up my mind, open up my ears, Lord God. Give me ears to hear your word and your statutes. Because I can't afford, I don't have time to be sitting here playing these games with these consequences that you said that will be here. And, and I don't want to trick anybody to say that if you walk in wisdom, your life is going to be peachy king, right? But if you walk in wisdom, obeying his statutes, regardless of what your life is looking like, you will be in right standing with God. And it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun. You're not always going to get to do what you're not going to get to do what you get to want to do. You're not going to get to do what you want to do all the time. Not until your will and his will align. The, the whole spirit of this, I, I see John 15 in this again. John is one of my favorite ver- scriptures. So I'm, I probably always reference it. But it said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will. He asked what he will, and it was given to it. Why? Not for no reason. It's biblical principle that said that he was abiding in the word of God. He wasn't just, he didn't just know it because just knowing it don't make you wise. It doesn't make you abiding. It doesn't make it, it doesn't mean that you're walking in it. But you have to actually live by the word of God. You have to desire his will over your will. Lord, I want to do it this way, but your word says this is right. You know what? You trump me. This is a lordship issue. This is asking God to be your Lord. He is invested in you, and you don't have time enough to, to blow off those people that are investing godly things in you. Like, out of all the people who God placed in my life that invested in me, and I look back, and I'm like, and, and I have regret, you know. And I have, I, I wish I would have. But then God keeps putting these people in my life, and I'm like, Lord, you invested more than anybody. I mean, you've never given up on me. And as sure as we live, we breathe, we, we're here, we're hearing his word. It's a blessing just to hear his word. It, it's a blessing that the Lord speaks. It's a blessing that we get to hear his statutes. It's a blessing that even if we don't want to hear it at that time, that is, we can't claim we don't know what to do in situations. We can't claim that we don't know what to do when we fall. It's a blessing that we don't, we don't get to claim ignorance when we, when we fall into sin or when we willfully choose to be in sin. He, he gives away even in that, in his grace. It says, that, it says that Solomon was sacrificing when God came to him, right? And he did it on a high mountain because the, the temple wasn't there yet, and they had been sacrificing on this mountain for years. David even had a bronze altar set up to sacrifice. He said he was sacrificing greatly. And then as soon as he was granted this, as soon as God came and he spoke to him, right, he went straight down to the Ark of the Covenant and he sacrificed again. I was like, man, this dude really loved the sacrifice, right? 
But no, like, because he loved God, because he had faith in, in his promises, the Ark of the Covenant is also called the Ark of the Testimonies. Everything in that Ark of the Testimonies that's, that's hidden in that golden thing is where God had did it time and time and time again. Everything that was housed in there, let the people of Israel know that if God said it, it's going to be done. So when, when, when Solomon heard the voice of God and said that I will do this, he went straight to the Ark of Testimony. My, my relic might not be in there yet, but because he said he would, I know it's going to happen. I know he's going to do it for me. He had that much faith in what God was going to do in his life. That even before it happened. And it doesn't take extreme wisdom. I love, this is what I love about this, this verse and everything that I'm learning. I don't have wisdom. Like wisdom, wisdom is, is given to the old, you know. And it's so beneficial for the young though. So if you can get it early, get it early. This is how we know that it was divine wisdom that Solomon had. He's 20 years old and he's wise. That doesn't happen. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't care who you are. It doesn't happen. We don't always listen. We're not ready to listen yet. We don't have enough bumps and bruises. But my new, my new prayer is, Lord, help me to get it before those bumps and bruises. And, and it doesn't, the thing about getting this wisdom and the thing about how Solomon obtained this wisdom is that he got it before he was, quote, unquote, gifted with wisdom. The wisest thing that we can do with the authority that God has given us in our life is to turn it back over to him. Give it to God. You've been, you've been running your life long enough. Yeah, you, you've been making decisions for your life long enough. And it, and it only leads to death. It leads to death in, in your relationships. Like, it, it, it leads to death in, in your decision. It, it leads to, to years off your life. It said, if you obey my statutes, if you walk in my ways, then I will lengthen your life. There, there is biblical principle that says that people who obey God's statutes, God will lengthen their lives. I can only say what the Bible says about that. We, we, have, we have to make that decision to turn over the Lordship. We can't adequately run our life. And we're going crazy trying. You might not be going crazy on the outside, but in your home, it's total havoc and chaos, and I know it. In your marriage, you're trying to do it on your own. It's going to be havoc, chaos in your life. If you don't say, Lord, you define in this instance what good is and what bad is. Lord God, in this relationship, you define what good is and what bad is, and with awe and submission, I will submit to it. Lord God, with my children, you define what good and what bad is, and I will submit to it whether it looks good or bad. Lord God, it, because I know your wisdom doesn't, isn't dependent on worldly results. It isn't dependent on what it looks like on the outside. But if I'm in right standing before a holy and righteous God in my, in my statutes, and you're going to fall. And I just want to put that out there. You're going to fall. Solomon was sacrificing. That was a sin sacrifice. He, you're going to fail. I had a young, a young preacher who, who one of his points is, and I'm still in it, but if you, if you fall seven times, you need to get up eight. You need to get up eight. 
Because godly wisdom doesn't say that you're going to carry it out completely because Solomon started off well. Solomon started off really well. But then where he ended up, um, his affections grew away from God. And he ended up falling. And everybody thought that he was going to be the fulfiller of this Davidic covenant, that, that someone was going to sit on your throne and never, and never fall and never fail and, 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 and rule forever. But that wasn't Solomon. He started looking like that at the beginning because he made wise decisions, because his affections were to the Lord. But there's only one who could live up to those standards. And that person is Jesus the Christ. And he lived a life that we could not live. And he died a death that we deserve. And, and he didn't count his position at the right hand of his father, something to be obtained. But in humility, he stripped himself of his royal clothes and he put on filthy flesh, walked a perfect life among us and gave up his life willingly. The wages of sin is death. The wages of leaning to your own understanding is death. It leads to death. There's a way that seems right to, to man and it leads to death. You, you could come up with whatever master plan you want to, but it leads to death. And God knew this, and, but he took that death. And he says that anybody who wants to make the decision that Solomon made today can do that. Whoever wants to say that, Lord, I don't know how to go out or come in this life, Lord. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do my day to day, but you do. And whoever wants to s submit their lives back to Christ. Whoever wants to give their lives to Christ, that's a decision that you, have to, that you can make without godly wisdom, without um, gifted like, being gifted like Solomon. It is godly wisdom. He reveals himself to us, and, and he's the only one that we can make that decision. And that's all I would you play? Would you please play, pray with me? <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we come thanking you for your love, Lord God. We thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord. We thank you for your statutes and your commands, Lord God. We thank you for the word that has been gone forth today, Lord God. I ask that it doesn't return void, Lord God, but it stirs us up to godly, up for godliness, Lord God. We know that your word is, is good for teaching, Lord God, rebuke, correction, and training in righteousness, Lord God. And I ask that that someone can't be the same today, walking in their own way, Lord. I ask that someone is tired. I hope that someone is tired today of living and going their own way, and that they will submit to you today. And it's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen.